to the Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I am your hero, Kareen, joined by sidekicks Ari. Ah, interesting. And Kim. Hello. (laughs) Today we are here to talk about Season 3, Episode 8, For the World is Hollow, and I have touched the sky, or as I like to call it, so I just met you, and this is crazy, (laughs) but insert an instrument of obedience in your temple and follow our strange laws or face hot death, maybe? (laughs) A little wordy. <laughs> but super accurate. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> McCoy just shows up and she's like, oh, you're hot. Want to get married? And he's like, well, I I'm guess. dying, so okay. Why not? The best part about that is when she first sees him and has this like, moment without the sound effect, which is shocking for Star Trek. Very shocking. Is that he is surrendering with his hands up in the air and just kind of looking like a stunned rabbit. And she's like, mm, Yes. Which is crazy, considering that Kirk is, like, tussling three men at one go, and Spock is at his, like, spockiest. But Bones is in the middle of a meet-cute. But he just doesn't know it. Yeah. Nor does the audience. No. no. And no. It's really not obvious that she has the hots for him until she walks up to him and is like, hey, I have the hots for you. She is very direct. She is. If I only I had that, that kind her. of confidence. Well, she is smoking, and her outfit is... A statement. Oh, hells mm. yes. I think I actually own a dress. Not like that, obviously, but in the same <laughs> I fabric. Say, if you I know own a dress like about, that. Yes. Yeah, like, usually I don't have any triangular slits in anything. I no prefer back. something that covers the entire torso. No back chains? It's cold. <laughs> My favorite part of this outfit, since we're talking about it, is she's just got like a full bra front with like obvious yes. cups going on that yes. vanish under her arms. And then they just stop there, and it's all held together with, like, tension from chains going across her back. There's no, very there's interesting. no back on this dress. Shut your face! None at all. It's structurally very interesting. Yeah. Wait. I, I, to be quite honest, I think the top half is mostly taped onto her, because there's no way... Cause she's got, like, one full sleeve that everything is sort of attached to with the capelet. Yeah, okay, I remember the cape. But there's the bra- the full bra thing she has going on ends under the armpit. Shut your face. And that's attached to the chains, the, the couple of chains that drape across the back and hold it together by, like, pulling on the other side. It goes over her shoulder, too. And then she... Well, not really, though. It's only it attached, it's attached to the sleeve, yeah. and the full sleeve comes down the side, yeah. and which hitches up at the bottom. Yeah, but there is, the like, there is at least half of an actual strap. Because I was looking at this trying mm. to figure out how it was working, but there well, is... Ha- like, then the other side of her bra is literally held on by tension. Yeah. It's and not then, impossible. Yeah. It's not like she does a lot of strenuous action. She does a lot of kneeling, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, visualize, like, three handkerchiefs, like, really fancy handkerchiefs. Very though. substantial handkerchiefs. Like done into triangles, but, like, three of them down your body. Yeah, well, because she's... Give or take. She's got, like, she's got the bra thing, and then she has the belly button modesty cover, which is the only thing it's there for is to cover her belly yeah. button. Belly buttons, as we know, yeah, are uh, titillating. And then the, <laughs> More so than tits, I guess. <laughs> and then the, um... Well, she doesn't actually have any cleavage showing. She's no, very, it's very it's modest. She's very covered in all of the erogenous zones. It's just the back Except that's... for the belly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the the skirt, the f- extremely full skirt, is a bit that sort of slung across her hips and attached to the like the sleeve cape. She, I for some reason, even though this episode has many peekaboos, <laughs> an entire game of peekaboos down the front, 
I did not find it overly sexual, it's if not. I may say. No. I actually thought it was very dignified. Her dress was not overly sexual at all. No. And, no, and nothing in this... No, I mean, the costumes in this were, like, kind of amazing. And, and like, you see ladies wearing different styles yeah. and, like... Many colors. All different <laughs> many colors. Um, the only word I used to describe the society's way that they were dressing both men and women was sarong adjacent. Mm-hmm. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone but her was definitely wearing something like a sarong. Yeah. Or, like hers or was like a sari structured. It is. Yeah. Uh, it, actually, you know what? A sari is the thing that I think it is probably the closest to structurally. It is interesting because she should be very sexy. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the camera necessarily treats her no, that way. No, I, she, I really appreciated that. She didn't actually get any of the soft lighting that we traditionally no. see in, in original series for the female guest stars, mm-hmm. especially female romantic interests, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Is it because that it's Bones' love interest that she doesn't yes. get soft lighting? Yes, she isn't attracted to her. I don't her. know. We've had, we've had uh, Bones' love interest at least once before, and she definitely got soft lighting. Name it. The very first episode. Mantrap. The that salt monster? Was his ex-girlfriend, supposedly. I think that in oh, that yeah. terms, the soft light was for the whammy. It still counts. Uh, I'm going to give that half points mm. and an asterisk beside so, it. this episode starts with a red alert, which is always a really good sign. <sighs> yeah, we should probably point out the whole hollow thing is about a hollow earth. Yeah. Which is a really interesting... I, I love the idea of... It's a hollow earth and a generation ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we're all pro-generation awesome. ships oh, here. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. amazing. Always a great story. What was the Canadian production that was supposedly a generation ship? Um, you're talking about Ascension? I want to say Ascension. It's Ascension. Yeah. Actually, I want to talk about Ascension when we get to it because there was a thing that made me think of it really strongly. Oh, I think I haven't watched Ascension yet. Is that the one that's made by the guy who ruined the end last two seasons of Stargate Atlantis? Possibly. I honestly don't know. Are, I all, don't the char- usually... are all the characters numbers? No. No. Okay. Then I honestly one. don't usually pay that much attention to the background production stuff unless someone fucks something up. And I actually really liked Ascension. So the red alert is because what I thought were tiny ships, but it turns out are missiles. The weird thing about this whole beginning is that... Missiles are attacking them. Fine, sure, whatever. Like, solid sure. opening to any show. Mm-hmm. But after they destroy the missiles, they're like, well, we're gonna go move our ship to where it's come from. Let's find out who the hell was shooting at us. Well, because they just not? Well, they destroy the missiles with basically no effort, because they're archaic is the word they use. Well, here's my... I other... would be curious also, especially if it turns out they're not really a threat to the Enterprise. No, I don't care. I would give it a day and then go back. But here's the thing. Did the asteroid only have two missiles... There were, like, nine in that formation. Well, I have another question about those missiles. Are we ever given a reason for why the no. asteroid fired on them? Was it just a convenient plot device to, to get, get the Enterprise to rendezvous yes. with them? Yes. not they just have stumbled across an asteroid belt and gone, hmm, that asteroid is acting weird? Which is what happens next. Well, I guess, but that wouldn't be as, like, action-packed of a cold open. Except this was, like, the least action of an open. Very like, little action. Like, the most action in this cold open was Kirk striding across the bridge to get to his chair. That is... And then Spock getting out of that chair <laughs> and going to go stand somewhere else. Yeah. Like, two okay. feet that way. I will grant you that. But there was an explosion, which is, like, fun. Everyone loves an explosion. I mean, we just finished watching Die Hards 1 through 4, mm-hmm. so clearly someone is paying to see them and make those movies. Oh, I still haven't seen Die Hard. Uh, Any of them? No, none of them. 
That's fair. I hadn't seen them before. When, when would I have I seen Die Hard? Either of you on television at any time during at Christmas? I haven't life. had at cable Christmas. in years. No, but yeah, Christmas they, is the time the for Die Hard. Was made in 1988. It's old. It's Bruce really Willis old. still has hair. In the first three, yeah, it's, it's really strange. very disturbing. It's also Alan Rickman's first film role. Really, his accent is out of this world. Amazing. I don't know what she was doing right there, but it doesn't. Sound it like was like my, okay. Sean Connery. <laughs> my default is always Sean Connery. So after we easily destroy the missiles that were never at any point a threat to the Enterprise, um, we get the. B plot to this episode, which is I actually quite liked this subplot. I'm going to move that up into an A plot. Actually, that was a B plot. No, a that was the A plot. Well, the A plot was you know keeping the generation ship from destroying That's the, the B plot. The A plot is whatever co plot. Then um, is that Kirk's been called down to sick bay, and we find Chapel and Bones, and Bones is like, "You can leave. Like seriously, you can just fucking leave." And she's like, "I'm not going anywhere until you tell the captain what you just no. found out." Here is what he is saying: "You're excused. Go to your room." Yeah, and she's like, "I'm a fucking professional." Yeah, she's having. I will of it. stay here until you have the talk. Yep. Um, I get that Bones has some bad news to deliver, but everyone takes out. Everything on Chapel. Yeah. Yeah. Always. It's true. Always. She keeps having to, like, stomp her foot and say, I'm a professional, goddammit. Yep. I know. Those pesky women in there need to be taken seriously. Mm. How dare they? Um, she finally goes to her room and Kirk says, wow, that was quite a scene. You know that when Kirk is commenting on your yeah. management style, you have done cocked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and Bones... Turns his reveal that he is dying of xenophobia. Um, <laughs> in the most, I don't think that's the fatal condition, but also accurate. Uh, that is xenopolysithemia. Xenophobia. xenophobia. Um, in the most roundabout, dickheadishish way. Sorry, so, well, no. He tells a little story. I've done the the physical exams on everyone, and everyone's fine except for one person. And Kirk is like, oh, who is that person? At which point, Bones takes a flashlight, puts it under his face. <laughs> this is like 150% exactly how I would have expected Bones to deliver this kind of Why news. interject needless drama into this situation? Because it's Bones. <sighs> you know what? You're right. There is like an A plot and a B plot in this episode. Yes. Which I've been apparently dying for since <laughs> the beginning of... This, like, watching this, this episode is really goddamn slow, boring, and long, and nothing happens. I disagree. Sorry, what? This was a really boring episode. What? Nothing really happens. Like, I mean, it's good. It's all very, like, straightforward and beginning to end and everything. Oh, you're wrong. Sorry. You're wrong. Okay. I'm just kind of, look, I'm just thinking about, like, I have taken almost virtually no notes because nothing happens. What? And, like, it's just... Nothing happens. Are you sure? A lot of people get electrocuted. Yeah. Yeah. Someone loses their religion. There's like an internal political struggle that is actually relatively well portrayed. There is a romance question mark story. There's a a crisis of faith in many ways, both of Bones and what's her face. There's actually a lot of shit in this episode. I I think it's not so much in what we're 
used to seeing in Star Trek, which is more of like an action-packed yeah. getting and solving this problem, so much as that it is an emotional arc, which is, is. weird for like, this series. Like, there's a conflict, but it's like, it's pretty well handled and quickly. Yeah, I know. And I like all that stuff. It's just nothing really happens. And it was really I don't understand how you can say that. I'm just coming to this realization that, like, it's just a lot of walking back and forth. What? Okay, keep going. It, Ignore me. Because you're wrong. You're, you're, <laughs> because it's it's a mystery. Yeah. In a way, like, and it's also the psycho, a psychological thriller. Yeah. Are they going to realize that, you yeah. know? Yeah. That's the best part of this episode is, like, what's going to happen when they find out that they're on a fucking spaceship? Okay, so guys, would you be pissed if I found out that my entire like life was a lie and I was actually on a giant generational spaceship and the yeah. truth had been kept from me, yes, I would be pissed. Well, what if Earth is inside of a giant asteroid hurtling Never towards know. some other planet? And would well, it matter? And no one told me? Would it matter? Yeah. Because the whole truth of my existence would have been hidden from me. Not really. But that's also you're... possibly true right now. Yeah, Even but... assuming Earth isn't a generation ship inside of an asteroid. How do we know? Right? And we would have no it matter? Like, We're would it, would it change the way that we live The nature of our lives? understanding of existence is always changing. I don't think I would care. I wouldn't really care. We're going somewhere, right? Eventually. Well, right back where we came is from. Is my day-to-day life going to change in any way? Not for the next 390 days, apparently. No. And again, like, if you think about it, we are actually just trapped in the giant asteroid that is the Milky Way, rapidly expanding with no edges, but... It's the same concept. Like, is it any better or worse? Actually, the spaceship Earth. Yes. Mm. To go into that metaphor, this is true. We are trapped within our own atmosphere. We are hurtling through the galaxy towards some unknown destiny. Uh, Yeah, but we know all the information we need. Well, not necessarily. We're always finding out new things. Yeah, we're always finding out new things, but we're at least allowed to do them, and we don't fall down to the floor in pain if we. We don't know where most of the universe is. But we don't fall down in pain if we start thinking about what's beyond the, the realms of our universe. I, I think will, we're talking about different things. No, I, I will grant you the instruments of obedience yes. are crazy. Yeah. Uh, that is a bizarre choice. But w- sans instruments of that... I, I really I don't, don't see the difference. No, neither do I. Plus, then Who you cares? get to find out a new thing and find out new stuff about the universe, which is cool. Because they have a prophecy or at least an understanding that they're going somewhere else right mm. so, so they kind of get it but not really it's just they're just missing some details they're just missing like the very tippity top of the pyramid yeah i don't know that it matters at all not ultimately because they know they're going towards somewhere and they will and whether their planet was a planet or just they don't a planet know. within a no. planet they think they're still on their original planet yeah who cares they lived underground anyways let's come back to this when we've actually gone through a little bit more of it. I'm really baffled because, honestly, the more I think about it, the more it makes no difference whatsoever. Well, I think it makes a ton of difference. So It's Plato's uh, cave. Yeah. Yeah. It quite literally is Plato's cave. Yeah. And I think in my situation, in that scenario, I'd be like, I don't care. I so don't Kirk, makes I do. a, Kirk makes a diary entry, which is a sad diary entry, that he's informed Starfleet and asked for a new doctor like, yeah, no. It's Before been like five the minutes. cut, Bones is like, and if you could just let me, like, do my last year alive committing my job, I would be really happy about that um, because I really feel that I can still do this and I can really do my job. And Kirk is like, and so I've asked someone new to come along immediately. Yeah. It's kind of a dick move. It is a very dick move. I don't know whether he says it to Bones' face or just in his diary, but Bones has one simple wish to, you know, live out his life in the way I guess that he wants to. 
getting puked on by people. Sure, I guess. Berating Chapel, bringing Spock back to life every other weekend. Mm. Berating Spock? Mm-hmm. So I guess we're... And this is a weird mix of, like, a Heinlein novel and a Lernlein McDaniels novel. Oh, <laughs> big When he's like, and I have one year to live, and I was like, oh my god! He's gonna find love! It's true, oh my god! And then they'll be tragically separated. It's the fault in our stars! <laughs> Oh my god. Oh. I think they even make out inside of a, like a, a slightly revered monument. They do... Uh, wait, where do... Yeah, they, they kind of make out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah, they yeah. Do make out inside the temple, a.k.a. somewhere highly inappropriate. That's yeah. what you do when you're in oh love and god. dying. John Green just stole the entire plot of The Fault in Our Stars from this novel, or this episode. <laughs> Little do we know that Amsterdam was actually inside of an asteroid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we come upon the source of the totally ineffective missiles. And it's this is a, great. It's an asteroid. An asteroid. It's and... 200 miles in diameter. Sure. Sure. But this doesn't seem big enough to hold a civilization. Uh, it's Good. like 350 kilometers. There? Yeah, okay, that's the thing. We never actually found out how many people are in the if asteroid. it's like 10, how did these people Well, survive? because, like, you have the asteroid, and supposedly, yeah. or apparently there's also probably some sort of, like, propulsion mechanics in there well, somewhere. Obviously. Very and tiny. you have the interior living bubble, which is going to be smaller than the outer asteroid. Mm-hmm. And then people live underground, so they're even halving that space again, because there's still conceivably an above ground. But not a very high above no, ground. No, not a very no. high above ground, but still. So, like... They're not living in 200 diameters, 200 well, whatever. Okay, the Enterprise has 402 people, roughly, give or take, and it was about the size... No, I think you could fit a lot of people in there, at least a yeah. thousand. Yeah, it would have to be, it would have to be more than a thousand. I think the, the minimum you need to have... Otherwise incest? Yeah. I think the minimum you actually need for a civilization is somewhere around 10,000, without worrying about inbreeding. But, like, if it's, like, 300... That's ambitious. That's... Because they, they... It's, like, 350 kilometers, which is actually a substantial amount of space. Even if you take out, like... How big is Vancouver? On the other hand, think of a city like, uh, like, Calcutta or Beijing. Yeah, and I assume that since they're living underground, they're living in very dense conditions. Yeah, but there's only... And, like, s- levels. Yeah. But there's only so much down they can take, and they can't expand upwards. No, but I think... I think if you, if you tiered it, you might... Because, again, thinking about places like Shanghai or that had huge, huge, huge density in a very small... We also it was only know, a kilometer, wasn't it? Yeah. We also know that this generation ship has very strict controls on reproduction because she mentions that only the priest, the high priestess, is allowed to choose her mate, which suggests to me oh, that, that the, oracle, <laughs> right? the oracle decides who and when gets to have babies. So they probably have strict population controls on... I actually don't think this is implausible at all. It just seemed kind of small to me. Well, I assume that it's larger than we think it is, but like 350 kilometers is pretty pretty big. So, um, it's not hurtling through space. It's clearly being piloted. They do tell us it's at- atomic power and just sort of leaking radiation everywhere it goes, so that's great. That is a problem. Yeah. Like, a problem. They detect that it's hollow on the inside. They're not detecting any life signs. Oh, and also, it's on course to collide with Darren 5, which has almost 4 billion inhabitants. My favorite, my favorite part about this is that they ask, hey, Chekhov, like, can you tell us about this ship? And he does. And Kirk's immediately like, Spock, double check that. 
No one cares what Chekhov has to say. He is redundant. He's like one of the most useless characters on this show. He's really just there for the hair. <laughs> That's true. Poor Darren Five. Yeah, just sitting there going about its business. With its 3.7 billion inhabitants. <laughs> about to be crushed by a ship in 396 days. So naturally Kirk decides they need to beam into Kate, it. No. Yeah. No. Why? No, stop. Couldn't you try hailing them? Yeah, that would be the obvious thing to would do. Would that not be step A? Yeah. Try calling them. Hi, guys? Did I you mean, it's possible... mean to shoot those missiles at us? I'm still really confused about the missiles. I mean, it's, it's possible they point. did. I'm sure they wouldn't have answered anyway, but you should. they should have shown us them trying, because this is a very dumb thing to leap to. At least an effort. But yeah, they immediately beam down. They go into Bones the... puts himself on the away team because For re- that's a great it's idea. It's great because Chapel is there in the transporter room giving a terrible pep talk, being like, well, a lot can happen in a year. Uh, so they beam down and we get the... Oh, she's not wearing a wig. Majel Barrett's not wearing a wig Isn't in the episode. I'm pretty sure that's her real hair. It's, her hair. Yeah. it's very big. It's very a, voluminous. It's very blonde. So I think it's the first time she hasn't been wearing a wig. I am. No, she's, clearly had, not she's had this attention. at least a couple of times before, mostly in episodes where we commented on how nice her hair was. That's true. They beam down to the planet. At this point, I would like to say that if you listen to this episode with headphones on or earbuds, the sound of the tricorder is the most annoying sound known to man. Really? So annoying. And it goes on forever. Ever, because they scan every square inch of this stupid planet. Well, all they find is sand, some mountains in the distance, which I assume are much smaller than they appear, optical illusion, I guess, and some giant pink cylinders. I've got to say that this was a great season for rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, lots of rocks. Lovingly constructed fake rocks. Rocks get an action. Mm -hmm. The cylinders look like, essentially, puce silos. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, and apparently Kirk doesn't scan them very well. Well, they no one scan scans them. They're just they're like, like, huh? That's weird. Ain't that strange? But in fact, they are not silos. They're elevators, which I actually really like. I yeah. enjoyed this. Yeah, that act, that makes a lot of sense. I, I enjoyed that they the way they just have them open and yeah. then just people just pour out, out of them. Yes, like, that was wonderful. So all these dudes, and I guess we'd call them plaid tunics. Pouring uh, out. Let's talk about that because they appear to be wearing like I can only describe as like a. They appear to be wearing latex boot tops on their heads. Oh heck yes! They are wearing like black leather, like I don't I don't even know. It's the they're top like, of a boot, and the top yeah. of the boot has been kind of like filled it's, in. Yeah, like, this, like they're wearing like a black like. The word you're looking for is gimp mask. <laughs> I was going to say head condom. It's just like a leather cylinder yeah. with a seam around the bottom that's just from and flattened yeah. in one and side. And then the, the top of the hat is this like flat, like... Um, and decorated. And decorated. Yeah. It's got jewels. So many jewels. It's like a sat- It's like a satellite sticking up off the rest of the hat. <laughs> I guess. And like, jeweled. You it's... could serve appetizers off of yeah. it as well, like but, if you kneel down. Yeah. They're fascinating. Yeah, and they're they're wearing like baggy, like almost like PJ-shaped tops. And the only word I could use to describe them was plaid, but I don't think that's the right word. No, that's all I can help with either. They're more sort of like... There's an actual word for that pattern, but I cannot remember what it is. It's somewhere in between plaid and checked. Could we call it plaid? 
No. Oh, well, fine. There's a real word for it, and I do not remember what it is, but it's driving nuts. But there's, like, purple and fluorescent yellow Hot on one. yellow. Yeah. And, like, pink and green, and, like, they sort of, like, fade from one color to the other. This, like, the outfits on this were, like, bananas-inspired. Um, they beat the crap out of the away team. It's great, because within, like, two minutes of being on this planet, with the most annoying tricorder scanning of all time... They're immediately divested of their weapons and their communicators. Yep. And Bones is, like, on the ground. Yeah. This is the part where she comes out. Look, can we talk about her hair? Have we touched on her no, hair? No, we have not so touched on the entire. I love the way head. that, like, she sends her minions out and then she sort of floats out of the elevator and just stands there looking around. Just like, mm-hmm. 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 So Good. She's got... Okay, we need to talk about the entirety of her head at this point. <laughs> She has got, on her her hairdo, is two rows of barrel curls across the forehead and crown of her head. Um, and then she's got a giant beehive on yes. the back. Yes, kind of like then, a comb. Yes. And then coming out of the beehive is an extremely long ponytail. That wig must have been so heavy. Yes. Mm. A small toddler was perched upon her head. Yeah, and like it's it's got like she's got like hair curls under her ears. It was like that was involved and beautiful. It was very like Greek priestess. It's very Roman in the front. Yeah, yeah. very very Roman. Like the weird frizz curls that they do in the hairdresser who like went back and and like reconstructed the way hairstyles were statues. statues. Yeah, it's it's pretty much that. Very much of that. It seems too intricate to be worth it. But I don't yeah. think she brushes or washes her hair much. I'm sure no, she doesn't no. do it herself. Um, and then we need to talk very slightly about her eye makeup because oh, we could talk for hours about her eye makeup. I if think you like. it, it was it got me thinking about like we had the Klingon the couple was it last yes. episode or a couple mm-hmm. episodes ago who had like the white and black eyeliner. Mm-hmm. I think somebody in the makeup department got new black and white eyeliners <laughs> and was just having a really fun time because she has drawn on eyelashes underneath and above her eyes in black and white. So when she blinks, she's still got these looks like beautiful long eyelashes sticking out. It was weird. It There were a lot of wings. There were wings for miles. What, again, I think they were trying to call back to is that very Roman yeah. thing with the kind of eyes and the bigness of it. I, I loved her look. I oh, loved yeah. it. She I thought she amazing. was great. She, and she commands. Mm-hmm. She shows up, stares she's at these... She's the leader of these people, spiritually and politically. She is. Yeah. I think, honestly, this might be the first, I almost want to say matriarchy. Of an entire planet, for sure. Yeah, that has been yeah. a woman. I think so. I mean, we've seen women in, like, positions of authority before, yes. but then they always go and report to some, like, council of old dudes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she's, like, in charge of this entire ship. This is her ship. She is the de facto leader of her people. Yeah. Which I think is kind of the first time we see it. And she comes off quite well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, she's very sensible. She's straightforward. She's internally consistent with her rules. She believes in her rules for reasons, not just because. Like, she's very sensible and... and commanding. I really enjoyed her a lot. Yeah. This is the part where she comes out, sees Bones about to surrender, finds it the sexiest thing she's ever seen <laughs> before he's knocked unconscious. And she's like, hmm, maybe, maybe we don't need to kill them today. I do like my men unconscious. I do like that. And I don't quite understand the function of why you would need so many guards when everyone has a instrument of obedience in their head that kills them if they think too much thoughts. Hmm. But Well, they seem to also be, like, fetching and carrying and stuff. Yeah, all the dead people. Mm-hmm. I do like that she has a hand motion that says, release them. Mm-hmm. She introduces herself. She is, and here it's about to get slightly vague on my end, 
Natir? Natira. From the High Priestess of Yunata? Yonata. <laughs> I just kept calling her the High Priestess the whole time. Thank you so much. I was like, Nadir, Natalia. Natira. High Priestess of Donata. She's the High pri- She's the high Priestess. Of I Donata. Sh- I was just calling her HP in my notes. Oh, that's excellent. Excellent. She's like, welcome to my fantastic planet. Let's go down the staircase and have the weirdest shot in Star Trek. Yes! Very weird. It was so long. It was endless. It was like perv-vision through the stairs. It that was, was the thing. Like, they're coming down into this brand new, amazing underground planet... But instead of, like, seeing the faces of any of the extras... Or, or showing the majestic of them coming down the stairs... Uh, you get it through the bottom step of the stairs, them stepping down and kind of, like... Milling about. And, like, people yeah. sort of awkwardly clustered on the sides of the hallways. It was a It's all very strangely set up. It was so weird, and it went on forever. It did, because the next thing we see is uh, HP doing an er- interpretive dance to open the doors. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was my favorite part about this entire civilization. <laughs> How to close and open doors is essentially a combination of dance moves. I just really like that however long they've been on this ship, they've forgotten where to wave their yeah. hand. Like, just yeah. like, this is what opens the door, and they've developed an entire series of, like, dances. 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 Which is great. I, I like that as a little touch. Um, they go into the room of the Oracle. Mm-hmm. Um, and are told to kneel, which surprisingly enough, they do. Mm-hmm. The Oracle, well, let's just get this out of the way, is the painting of a star on a wall. Yep. It's a giant computer. With a blinky light. With a blinky light. It is obviously, and I don't think any <laughs> oh, no. is made to hide it, it's a a, um, a computer yep. that's yep. running things mm-hmm. yep. again. For sure. Yeah, of course, it's an evil computer. Yeah. yeah. But this time it's a star. <laughs> it's not so much evil as it's just to, like... A programmed to be kind of a dick about it's very things. rigidly programmed, yeah. And I do in like, a way that doesn't make a lot of sense. I feel like it doesn't have any kind of like artificial intelligence, and yeah. it's not making. There's a, a point where I just wrote in all cap. So not a learning AI then. No, it has a set of rules that it was set up with by the creators. It has a very specific set of rules. You keep the laws of the people. Um, you're not allowed to think bad thoughts or question things. Like just stay put. And make out with whoever I tell you with. Which, I guess, makes sense. Because you don't want a lot of trouble or mutiny or people no. trying to get I off actually, your generation ship. I have a set of sort of headcans about that it wasn't necessarily always like this. That at some point there was, I don't know, unrest or restlessness. And someone way back, you know, not 10,000 years ago, but Ten. some thousands of years ago went, you know what, we have to change the way that we do things if we're ever going to make make it to wherever we're going. Here's the thing. Space is vast. Mm-hmm. It, is. it is. Why not just go to a nearer by planet than that? Yeah. Wait, do they actually say how long, we actually find out how long they've been traveling? 10,000 years. 10,000 years? Yeah. Which is very strange. Especially since they're apparently from somewhere that's close enough by that Spock was able to go and study the language for a while. And they, they've heard of this civilization. Civilization, yeah. And they clearly have records elsewhere in the world. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to since their planet was destroyed by a supernova. Well, it could be... No, their civilization was definitely destroyed. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. it apparently made it out into the galaxy. Otherwise, Spock never would have been able to study it. Because he he walks up to the wall and he's like, I recognize this language. instantly. It's these people. Yeah. Their world was destroyed. Like, Like, 10,000 years isn't really that long in the history of the universe. And, you know... 
like, of a civilization, I that's well within the existence of, like, say, Vulcan. I guess. I guess it would maybe, like, it's questionable, because if they had space travel of that extent, why not, like, just fall and get the time? hell out of there? The weird thing is that a generation ship is a really strange choice for a civilization with technology as advanced as this Fabrini right? seem to have. Yeah, right. A generation ship is what you choose when you don't have... Like choices. Choices, or propulsion, mainly. Yeah. It's what you choose when your propulsion is too slow to get you somewhere within a single lifetime. Well, we know that their propulsion is not great, because they're, they're leaking... atomic power. They're leaking radiation everywhere they go. Yeah. But they can clearly get out, and they had enough wherewithal to build a giant asteroid with a spaceship inside. And to point it at somewhere they knew was safe. Which, they it's knew the strange. planet was there because they talk about the planet... Yeah. I mean, how great it's going to be when they get there. And this is clearly a perversion of the original culture because it's unfamiliar even to Spock. Yeah, they have no technology. Right. Like, their culture has regressed or or become more, I guess, religious in a very specific survival-oriented way. So it's possible that this, like, this extreme of it had developed over 10,000 years as a survival mechanism... I guess another out there theory would be that this was just a particularly weirdly religious group of Fabrinians. I would love to say that it was like the doomsday cult of yeah. the Fabrinians, and they're like, bad times are coming, and everyone was like, we're building a giant asteroid arc. Okay. You have fun. And then who had the last laugh? Yeah. <laughs> the cultists. The cu- oh gosh, that's horrible. So now that we've cleared up Nothing for zero <laughs> Um We are all kneeling before the Oracle, and um, she kneels on a, like a special platform, which is like the access platform, I guess, because that's yeah. what turns it on and makes the blinky light happen, which is apparently the desired result. Because she's like, here are their strange instruments, <laughs> and <laughs> here's the thing: does the Oracle communicate psychically to her? Because she kind of nods and goes, "All right," and then turns around and is like. Who are you? Where are you coming from? What's your deal? I thought she was just nodding because the blinky light, like, acknowledged her presence. Well, because, like, that's the only time there's any sort of indication that she communicates psychically with it. Because every yes. other time it's, like, got a booming computer yeah. voice. Yeah. <laughs> I think in this case, she kneels and she looks at it and then the blinky light goes off. Like, okay, I'm listening. And then she nods and turns and I wish that talking. Siri had a Star Trek computer voice option. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Siri, yes! <laughs> uh, where's a good place to get donuts? Fool! Yeah. Before you know my friendship. <laughs> yeah, that this was great. Crazy. You this must is... obey the strictures of this society. This is very this like Oracle is an asshole. You know what? This is actually another point in favor of this was a doomsday cult because, like, if they were like a relatively sane civilization, surely they would have built first contact protocols into the computer. Because when inevitably no, a starship no, encountered that. Their their spaceship is disguised like a, an asteroid. Yeah. They didn't want to meet anybody. A really sneaky See, asteroid. everything about this is really shady and strange. It's great. Because yeah, they're Kirk's like, like, we want to be friends! We come in friendship! And it immediately electrocutes it's them. It's great. The thing is like, <laughs> friendship? Lord, you must learn what it means to be an enemy! Electrocute! <laughs> Which seems like very strange diplomatic protocol to me. Okay, well, yes and no. It's like a gambit where it's a show of strength. <laughs> On the other hand, it is roughly how it handles its citizens. Well, it's very upfront about what it expects it's, it's from neg- people. It's, it's negative reinforcement from the very beginning. I love also that they have a very specific recovery chamber yes. <laughs> where people go when they get electrocuted by it, they're gone. Or like, you know, brain 
zapped or whatever it is it does. Uh, Unknown? Um, So they're all unconscious and they're put in the recovery chamber. Kirk and Spock are both awake. Bones hasn't woken up. And Spock's like, "Uh, I wonder why he was more seriously affected. And Kirk's, you know, I liked this bit a lot. because it was lovely. It was lovely. He's like, because Kirk looks really distressed. He's like, I don't think he would have told you himself, but I think you need to know now. Bones is a literally McDaniels novel. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bones has no eye makeup on. No, he usually does Because he's ill. Oh, yeah, um, he does. Not nearly usually. as much as everybody else. He, oh, he is shellacked. He's usually wearing a lot of eye makeup. He's not wearing But he's always noticeably more he's like... Ill. He's always more noticeably like hound dog eyed than the others. He is wearing glorious blue eyeshadow most of the time. But he is ill, so he gets no eye makeup. Mm. That's how we know he's sick. It's um, really, really good because Bones goes to sit up and Spock reaches out and touches him. Yeah. And in like there is like concern. He, he goes to help him up yeah. with concern. Yeah. Well, Spock's face, when Kurt tells him, he doesn't like, obviously doesn't have a facial expression in reaction, but it's sort of, his face for it sort of freezes for a second before he's like, I know of it when he tells him what the illness is. When he's is. dying of xenophobia. Xenopolycythemia. Polycythemia is a real disease. It's usually caused by having other diseases. It basically means you have too much fluid in your body. He has xenophobia. He oh. also has xenophobia, but that's a different thing. It's great, because... Bones is surprisingly not pissed that Spock's been told. He's because kind of Because Kurt tells him... Yeah, because Kurt tells him Spock knows... I do like that Spock kind of, Like, Bones just wants to get on with things. He's like, well, yeah, 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 yeah totally understandable. And then Spock brings up... Uh... Hey guys, if we tell them that they're inside of a hollow rock, wouldn't that be violating the prime directive? And Kirk's like, yeah, but it's either that or, or exterminating them. <laughs> Which, you know what? Very sensible conversation. That's a very harsh either or. I, I, I agree that like, this seems like a very, like, either they asteroid. can accept reality we or already they can know. get blown to smithereens. Well, I mean, I th- think, I assume he's talking as, you know, an extreme worst case because otherwise, yes, it is crazy, especially since we know that they have the technology to divert asteroids. Also, that they could just, like, take those people off of their ship and put them on a planet. That would also technically be before, violating the directive. Uh, would it? Well, Their options are, let me refresh your memory. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, th- that would still involve telling them the truth. You can either tell them the truth or exterminate them. Ah. Sorry, I'm pointedly staring at Ari as to elicit a response. I'm choosing to take it as he's laying out the best and worst case scenarios. Because like I said, we know they have asteroid diverting technology. It never Why works, though. No. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. But it I assume, never that, I assume that just means the Enterprise is particularly bad at it. Coming in on this conversation is Sir Wiggity Wig. Oh, yes. Wearing the wiggiest wig that ever wigged out. He brought them some herbs. I, I, I actually Let's just wrote, roll back to that wig. I just wrote down here, an old man wanders in. Yeah. Wearing the biggest wig, the longest wig, the craziest wig I've ever seen. He is also wearing a zebra print outfit in purple and orange. It's yep. amazing. But both at the same time. In a loose cotton bathrobe. That's like a caftan. Sarong adjacent. <laughs> and he's got some... I have to turn the page over. That's just the fact of it. Um, he's got some drugs for them. Again, specific drugs that you give to people when they've been electrocuted by their and, god. And he's zapping drugs. Yep. And yes. <laughs> We're going to call this man Frank Zappa. <laughs> 
So he's a little bit curious. Like, I don't understand his function. Is he, like, the official drug dealer of this, of I, Donata? Okay, so here's what I thought about this, is that if I were, like, a computer god and I was punishing my subjects with pain, I wouldn't want them to be taking ancient herbs to make themselves feel better. So I think this is, like, a sort of a very benign black market in anti-electrocution herbs. And then he just sort of sneaks around and dispenses the ancient herbs. There is no such thing of that on a number of platforms. <laughs> um, he came off to me like um, a f- like a f- like a um, uh, like a fringe, like a fringe element. Like mm-hmm. he's like the hippie of the of the yeah. Because he's you know he's he's gone outside as we will find out in a minute. He's touched the sky. And he the, says the titular line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the entire time, his eye is twitching because mm-hmm. it's like he's in constant pain mm-hmm. from just his lifestyle of like kind of wandering around and going, oh, I wonder what's going on and like questioning things. He's like he's like the fringe element of society mm-hmm. here. I thought of him as, like, a young Turk, that in his youth he challenged everything and he questioned everything, and when he finally touched this guy, he was broken by the truth. Which is, yeah. be amazing. Broken. Yeah. Yeah. Things are not as they teach us, for the world is hollow and I have touched the sky. He's got a great couple of lines. He does. Because he's like, where are you from? He's like, the outside world. And he kind of blinks at them, where is outside? Yeah. And they're like, well, outside. Up there. So they say. And every time he kind of does like this little thing. Yeah. Because he really, it's... Punishing him. It's punishing him. Great line. Many years ago, I climbed the mountain, even though it was forbidden. Yeah. That is so much exposition in like four lines. Imagine him, though, climbing a mountain, like, above ground, probably constant pain from doing what he's not supposed to be doing, but he's gonna fucking do it anyway because they told yeah. him not to and he wants the knowledge. It's Truman Show level stuff, man. Yeah. And then I really love this that he then says the title, like the episode title. And then dies. For the world, yeah, for the world is hollow and I have touched the sky. And then he just dies. It was like mm-hmm. so dramatic. I loved it. Was it was great. It yeah. was a great, great, great moment because yes. it is immediately repeated because Kirk's like, well, oh, shit, he's dead. And then repeats the line, but with this giant smile on his face, like, shit, that is some poetic business. (laughs) Because it is. It's a great line. It's also good writing because in, like, five lines, we get all of everything we need to know about this civilization. Yes, it is. This guy's entire function sets up the entire rest of the show, and you get, like, the crux of the problem. And we see the sinister-looking red light blinking under his temple. Yes. Digitally remastered, of course. Mm. So the knowledge that they're on a ship seems to be forbidden, I think his bone says this. No kidding. And this is, of course, when Natira and two of her handmaidens walk in. Not too troubled that the old dude's dead. It's awesome. She's like, oh, call the guards to haul him away. Gently now. Gently. <laughs> she gets down on her knees to pray to whoever. She has a good speech. Forgive him. He was old. She takes a dramatic pause. I laughed so hard both times that I saw this. He was old. And foolish. (laughs) But it is our laws that he who speaks evil shall be punished. And it ain't no big thing. Because immediately it's uh, drinks and appies time. Yeah, Yeah. she immediately is like to bones. (laughs) You You do not seem well and it troubles me. She's into him. Oh, yes. She's into him immediately. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate her, her like, arranging things to, like, she gets what she wants. 
for the most part. And I appreciate that. She, yeah, actually to a point, she actually gets everything that she wants. She mm-hmm. likes bones, she wants bones, she gets bones. And then she makes a choice at the yeah. end to do something else. Yeah, no. Again, she comes off really well in this entire episode. She has a lot of agency. Mm-hmm. She chooses Tons. everything that happens to her. Yeah. Including Kirk telling her the truth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is that she could choose to call the guard. She could choose to run away. And she chooses not to. And she chooses to sit there and listen to him and ask questions. Even yep. though she's in pain, she wants to know the truth. Yeah. Which is more agency than Jin gets in Rogue One. Rage! <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I love that you're still on this. Still angry. Always going to be angry. Um, apparently, the Oracle has decided they'll be honored guests, which means that they get melon on a platter. That's a, that is a <laughs> or mistake. Whatever it was. Yeah. It's also a mistake on board of the article. Yeah. Or Oracle, sorry. Kirk does not understand why the lady does not prefer him, and so he says to Bones, Well, you're going to have to be the Kirk in this mission, so. <laughs> go Kirk it up. Go Kirk Bones it up. Bones is like, Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Jim. Yeah, just like smoother at her real hard, and if just she like, gives you any her. trouble, slap her around a little bit and grasp <laughs> her roughly by the neck. Bones is like, I'm going to take maybe 5% of that. Please leave. <laughs> it's great. They're off to find the. Yeah, they're given like the freedom of the city, which again is a terrible crazy. decision on the part of the Oracle. The Oracle clearly cannot deal with things. And then Bones and HP have a interesting love speech where he lays it down. So I've been miserable all my life, which is a surprise. (laughs) Yeah, and she's like, it is not in the nature of my people to hide their feelings. I want you to want me. Exactly. Yeah. And he's like, well, I've got one year to live. Do, 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 do. And she's like, oh, well, that's unfortunate, but. I can work with that. There are lots of days in a year. That's true. (laughs) And she's fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that she's just straight up, let's get married. (laughs) It is a quick courtship, shall we say? Um, Because she immediately pops off to the Oracle, which Kirk and Spock have already infiltrated. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Okay, so in between her, like, hitting on Bones and, like, going through the whole, we'll be happy together, you're dying, oh my god. You get this, like, shot of Kirk and Spock wandering around the halls, just, like, recapping the plot for us. Yes. But in the background, all of the men of this society have bowl-cut mullets. (gasps) They're bad haircuts. They're all, like... Straight across the forehead, down around, and then like mullety in the back. They're awful wigs. Never mind. I would get out of Plato's cave. (laughs) (laughs) If Plato's cave is full of mullets, I will take the awful, awful truth. Especially since the front of the mullet wasn't even any good. No, like Beatles in the front, ACDC in the back. Um, they sneak into the oracle room this is where Spock looks at the panels on the walls and he's like oh this is Fabrini writing their son went Nova these are clearly and killed all of them killed everyone except for these guys yeah so yeah she comes in she's like I wanna get married and the oracle's like well yeah if he converts yeah (laughs) yeah He needs to get the instrument of obedience inserted into him, which sounds like some kind of Derry, Terry Goodkin level of nonsense. <laughs> it does. And you should definitely tell him all of our laws so that he doesn't commit any sacrilege against the people and the creators. And I'm like, wow, that's awfully open of you, Oracle. Surprisingly reasonable. Especially since, like, the whole thing I'm thinking about just right now is, like, just the knowledge 
that Kirk, Spock, and McCoy have arrived, who are people who are very obviously not from this civilization and come from, you know, elsewhere outside the world. How is not every single person in the society having, like, head pain from the knowledge of existence outside of their planet? Oh, because they they know that there's stuff outside of their planet. They're fine with that. It's just they think they're on a planet. That's the that's the forbidden knowledge yeah. that they're not on a planet. Yeah. Oh, okay. That, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know, get that. Oh. I thought that well, like she, the knowledge of all existence outside of their planet was forbidden. well during their yeah. during their proposal talk. She tells him we're we're going to find a new world. We'll be there very soon. He's yeah. like, well, how soon? And she's like, well, soon. That's soon. all the Oracle will tell us. <laughs> well, like okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. She does she know that they're on a ship? Yeah. yeah. No, she doesn't know they're on a ship. They she think they're on a planet that is somehow moving. That's fucking stupid. It is stupid, but I imagine if you have, like, negative reinforcement zapping your brain every time you try and ask a question about it, you yeah. learn to deal with the cognitive dissonance pretty quick. They think they're on a planet. They're on their own planet. The or, planet from the Fabrice Well, what system. they say is they say a world. So I think they're just it's not supposed to question what world means. Their planet. Because the Fabrini lived underground. I'm yeah. completely baffled at the logic of the creators of why they didn't want them to know they were on a ship. That is a really good question. It is a new question. But if you ask that, you'll be electrocuted. <laughs> okay, I'll <laughs> shut up. <laughs> it's very strange because that is my question. What the balls is the difference between a planet and just stuff inside of an asteroid? None. None. That's why it doesn't make any sense to me that the knowledge they're on a ship is kept from them. See, this is where I think (laughs) that that the the current rigidity of the Oracle's rules was actually programmed into it after the ship left. Because, like, people got restless or started to go crazy because they were on a ship. Or started to have sex with their sisters. Or that. That, and then they, they were like, you know what, we have to become, we have to have more stricter rules, and they started programming, and then the instrument of obedience was, like, the ultimate of the crazy. It is very... My other question is, the High Priestess is the only one who talks to the Oracle, right? Directly, yeah. What if she dies? That is an excellent question. Can train a new High Priestess? Yeah, but who's going to train her? The Oracle? Hmm. Fine. Fine, I was just saying, like, you should have backup, like, some kind like, of success. Yeah. There's probably, like, I mean, if a society has got, like... You know, a one high priestess or whatever. I would not be surprised if there was like a high priestess in training school. Or well, she had her little handmaiden, so maybe yeah, that's what they enough. were. Those were not little handmaidens. They were they were middle aged ladies. They were different. <laughs> one of them was really young. No, 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 no they were both. Older. <laughs> those were both women who have seen some shit. <laughs> Clearly, they have. It's great because immediately our boys get caught. Well, yeah. she's on They're her way out. Yeah, she's about to do a dance, and then the dan- the pillar electrocutes them. It's like the Oracle just noticed that they were yeah. there. Hey! Hey! <laughs> yeah, basically. You well, there. it's because they're hiding behind the pillar, and then as she turns to go, Kirk puts his hands on it. As I she am leaves... confused as to what the Oracle can or cannot see. I think, I think it's because he's touching it when she leaves the platform. And it was turned on at this point. Yeah. Because it, it was wasn't on before. It was off when they walk into the yeah. room and they're like, it's and off. It can't see us. Yeah. Let's poke everything. And then she gets up and to leave and Kirk gets up and puts his hands on the pillar to like peer around it. It's great. And then it notices They them. must immediately be killed. Yeah. And she is, I she gives this. a hell of a speech. Great. Fools, you think you can do whatever you please? You can commit an offense that amuses you. You think we are children. She's great. I love this. To be fair, nobody ever told Kirk and Spock that they weren't allowed to go into the Oracle room and look around. Also fair. Not specifically. (laughs) But generally, generally, um, going into someone's sacred holy place... (laughs) 
to have a poke around. Yeah. What have we learned, children, about previous episodes? Where... Or just life. Yeah. Just poking around someone's holy site, lifting things up. It's frowned upon. This. As a rule. Hello, God inside the box is yeah. a, one could almost say, taboo. Yeah. <laughs> But she gives a good speech, and I love how much she defends her culture and defends her whatever religion business they're doing here. Yeah. And she's angry at them, and the oracle's like, punishment is death. And she's like, yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) So Bones goes to beg for their life Mm -hmm. as a wedding present. (laughs) (laughs) Says they acted in ignorance, which is technically true. Because all the instruction they were given was, go ahead and wander freely. Amongst the people. Amongst the people. And no, was, they did wander amongst the people up to the oracle <laughs> room. Yes, technically. Technically. You guys are the worst kind of lawyers. <laughs> and, like, it wasn't even, like, super locked. Spock just went, hand wave, and it opened. Yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> there were guards. That's fair. And she's like, well, for you and our future. They can leave. Fine. Yeah. It's great because Kirk and Spock then are on the quote-unquote surface of this planet sulking. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they were caught with their hand in the cookie jar. The cookie jar electrocuted them. (laughs) They had no one to bring them the good drugs. Mm. And Bones is like, well, I'm staying. Uh, This is also a really great speech. I liked it. He's like, I'm staying here. And Kirk is like, no! A, they're crazy. B, if we can't correct this thing's course, we might have to destroy it. Well, I'm on a collision course myself. (sighs) This line could be taken straight out of the Fast and Furious franchise. (laughs) And I loved it. Uh, it I found McCoy's decision distressing because, like, he's like, I'm staying here among strangers to, like, make the most of my life the last year while I'm dying. And Kirk's like... Um, I'm your friend. I would like to see you during the last year of your life and create, like, nice memories and help you through your emotional traumas. I feel like Bones is focused on one thing. Yeah. The banging. Bones is focused on his boner, and so he can't see past that? I agree with you. It is a weird situation. And, like, I understand that he's also, it's also a position where he's just had, like, huge, like, literally life-changing news. Life-ending news. And then he was given the opportunity to make, like, huge changes to his life that would seem to be fulfilling, like, dreams and making the most of the time he has left, etc., etc. People do stupid things. Yeah, people do do stupid things, but, like, you need to think about this. Be with your friends and the people who actually love you, not like the floozy who's just like, ooh, you're hot. We've known you more than five minutes. He's been on that planet for conservatively two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm willing to commit here. Do you know, like, what kind of food they eat? What kind of bathroom facilities they that have? That would be on my list They for have sure. real beds? Or are you just going to be, like, thrown into, like, a, a slot in the wall? Well, no, they've got their recovery chamber. Yeah. Which seems nice. Well, they have couches. Yes, but if there are as many people in this thing as we think they are, how many square feet are they living in? Okay, so this is a horrible reference to make. Um, in Futurama, there's a bit where they go down to meet the mer people, like the mermaids. Yeah. And Fry falls in love with a beautiful mermaid princess, and he's he makes this decision like, oh, like I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here with my princess, and we're gonna get married. And his friends are like, I no, and he's like, no, this is my decision to make. I'm in love. It's a life I need to leave. And so the friends are like, I guess. And so they walk out of the ocean, and then about like ten minutes later. 
he walks out of the ocean and they're like, what, what happened? He's like, oh yeah, they don't have any vaginas. <laughs> away for the banging like just make sure <laughs> i want to go back very briefly though because i forgot to talk about ascension um, okay so when she's kneeling before the oracle and she's like only the high priestess is allowed to choose her mate this was where i was like oh population controls controlled by the computer yes which if you are in a place where you cannot physically expand you would need to have it, it made me think of astara on ascension which is the thing that became a ceremony, but was initially like a genetic, like, bingo. put it into a, yeah, genetic bingo. It's like, you can breed with these people, and this is the person you should breed with, because you're least likely to have horrible mutations with this person. Mm-hmm. And I assume that that is what the Oracle is doing with everybody yes. but the High Priestess. Oh, so how does that work? Does the High Priestess just walk among the people and just go, mm, that one. I assume so. No, and then pull him out of whatever breeding program he's currently included in? I think that she still needs the permission of the Oracle. Yeah. Because she's kind of like, so I, I'm i gonna marry him like you said I could choose. Yeah. I assume that if it, if it was her brother, the Oracle would be like that is against Ooh. our religion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, there's so many things about this culture that aren't flushed out. Well, I mean, honestly, because we were only seeing a small yeah. slice of yeah. it, but like in that you are supposed to marry and have children with this person thing. Is there like... There's no children walking around. There's no children show. walking around. Um, is there like, is there fidelity within these marriages? Are they all just sort of like for breeding purposes? And then you can go and like, I will actually love that dude over there. Big questions that you should probably ask before you get an instrument of obedience placed in your head. <laughs> yes, which is what happens next. Yes. Oh, God. It's yeah. crazy. So the Oracle, and I do like that consent is a big part of this. Yes. <laughs> Oracle I like that. is like, okay, so we're going to put this instrument of obedience in, and it's going to be part of your flesh. And the priest is like, and there are no take backsies. <laughs> Uh, when and once he does, he is one with the people. Okay, I have more questions. Kim. Okay, Kim. Um, if this isn't like this, seems to be like an actual ceremony that they go through, and they have like words to say, etc., cetera, yes, etc. Cetera. Like I do. Yes. Um, if there are some, like obviously they're probably not born with these things in their heads. Can't be. At what age do you get the instrument of obedience? Do you, as a citizen of the culture? have to agree to all of these rules as put them in? Are they putting it as a teenager? Are you getting it as a child? How do you, how are you taught to con- then to control your thoughts if you get it as a, as a, like a, an older child? As, can a child consent to having these things put in their head? I have so many questions. These are all excellent questions that we're definitely not getting answers <laughs> it's, to. No, we're never going to get an answer. It's the same thing as like baptism. Yeah. Every many different sex and confirmation the same thing like many different people believe there's a different yeah but there's less pain involved with those actually what i'm thinking of is um in the giver where oh yeah while they're still children they use what do they call it discipline wand which is basically like a switch that like if you're very young or very old you're not considered capable of like obeying reason and so yeah they'll hate you with a stick but it would be the same thing with children is that if they don't have that implemented as soon as they're children the parents and or teachers and or elders or whoever would be administering some kind of reprimand to stop them mm. and train them mm. to think like that but in this case you get something shoved into your head well it did seem very painless yeah I mean, and i also would theorize that they would put them in when they were still children but not like toddlers or anything but like you know around the time you can start reasoning with a kid to a point 
My real problem is, is that Bones get married in his outfit and has mm-hmm. no new outfits. No. That is unfair. He should have put on, a, like, a, a, a rainbow caftan. Yeah. At rainbow least something. Yes, to and show that he's, like, now a part of this right? community. He's only got the that's... one shirt now. Yeah. On the other hand, the next thing she does is sort of give him, like, the Cole's notes of how everything works that he needs to know right now and tells him about, oh, the magic book, which is hidden inside that pillar that Spock and Kirk noticed earlier. It's the Bible! <laughs> it's the book that involved, that it explains everything, almost her exact words. And he's like, oh, everything you say. Do you know what's in it? No, no, no. I'll read it when we get there. <laughs> this is great. Oh. It's a secret book full of secrets. Haven't you ever wanted to read the secret book? No. It's enough that it's there. Uh, I would argue these people are not human, because the first thing humans want to do is read the book. Yes. The forbid- Absolutely. Can they read? I don't know. That's I don't think they can. It's unclear. Like, have they, what kind of work do they do? Have they been, like, trained to, like, build a civilization here? Or are they going to get to this planet that they're supposedly going to? The book is going to open. They're going to be slapped down and be like, okay, creature, like, comfort-loving creatures, start digging holes. Like, is that going to work? Are they going to open up the book and they'll be like, uh, can you read? Because I can't. I think they can read and main, at least she can. Because can um, she? Can she? Well, when they're looking at the the panels on the outside and the inside of the control room, what they're specifically looking for is information on the control room. And all and Spock says that all of the the writing panels in the Oracle room say is like the history of Yonata as a world. It she doesn't never say reads anything. it. She doesn't. We don't know that. Yeah, she never reads yeah. this entire thing. She also says she's going to read it when they arrive. So I assume she can read. Maybe only the high priestess can read, but at least the high priestess can read. Double. I see no evidence. She says that she can. Maybe she's she going to read the it. the oracle will imbue her with the power of reading. Maybe. They also have all those databanks of knowledge, which I assume is where they're going to rebuild all their skills. How skill are they, they going to run a computer is my question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, do they have any technical training? Is there, like, vocational training? They cannot even coordinate their outfit. No. I assume the Doomsday Cult that set this up at least had sort of a plan for what was going to happen when they arrived. This is... Really upsetting, because Bones immediately cheats on his wife with Kirk. Well, sure. It was and to be predicted. He's like, hey, so the special, special book, and the instrument of obedience immediately, like, tortures him half to death. Wait, can we go back just half a second here? We can. Because we go up to the ship, and Kirk's like, well, I wasn't able to fix the asteroid, so I was forced to call Dad for help. And Dad, Dad beats says, Starfleet. Yeah. And yeah. Dad's just like, Starfleet's just like, stop. And leave. Go back to your mission. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Leave right now. We'll handle it. And by handle it, I assume they mean nuke Blow it, it up. They're yeah, like, you fucked this sure. up royally, Kirk. So Get out. Poor and then Kirk. McCoy calls. Yes. Which I thought was hilarious. It's like, we don't even get to see them try. Kirk's just like, well, we failed. <laughs> and moving on. So yes, Bones gives it away. He immediately falls down. She shows up and is upset that her marriage is a sham. Well, she also seems like... <laughs> Pitying, like she knew he was gonna fuck up somehow, but doesn't know exactly right away. I'm like, it's the first day. He's like literally been here for about six hours, and you're like, you haven't corrected your thought patterns yet? For God's sakes, man. It's 45 minutes into their honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have had sex twice. <laughs> and then he can't handle it. Um, Kirk and Spock immediately come down, and I have to say that Kirk. And an upset woman is an awful combination. It is. Because he rings her around like a wet t-shirt. Um, well, she's very pissed. She's like, you have killed your friend. I mean, arguably Bones started it, so he probably helped. 
Spock immediately takes out his pain device. Mm -hmm. And she's very upset. She's like, oh, he's not part of our people now. You've released him from... His vows. From his vows. Which, as a divorce procedure, (laughs) seems not the worst idea. No, very efficient. So I wasn't really paying attention. Like, I was paying attention, but I saw Spock, like, poking at the side of McCoy's head. And then I just saw him pull away this, like massive piece of metal and I was like that was what was inside of Spock's no, head tiny I know cylinder. it was a little tiny thing but it's in the my size of a cigarette but like <laughs> to start with I was like that's massive it was not it was just a tiny piece of metal it's yeah. great we get the quality Star Trek she says released from obedience freedom I also Kirk. you know there are still parts of this that I really liked because Bones tells them where the book is and she's like that's sacrilege I won't allow it Kirk grabs her, and he's like, give me a second to explain, and if you don't believe me, you can call the guards. Again, giving her the choice, giving yeah. her the agency to, to decide. Yeah. And she wants to hear the truth, despite yeah. the fact that he has her by the shoulders. And she's also in pain. She is yeah, in pain. It's, it's punishing it's, her it's bad, for listening. Bad thoughts. Bad thoughts. She has bad Thought thoughts. Crimes. Because he keeps saying, do you want to know the truth of your world? And she's kind of like, yeah. Um, and he explains about the supernova and the generation ship and how they got here. And she's like, okay, but it's a planet. I've seen that it's a planet. And he's like, no, you haven't gone far enough. Your world is hollow. No, he says your world is inside a hollow ball. Yeah, that is less poetic than Wig Dude made it sound. And she has very legitimate questions. Yep. Why should the truth wait? That's an excellent question. Why should the creators keep us in darkness? Very good question. <laughs> Very good question. It is all good questions. And clearly she's in a lot of pain, like progressively more pain, because she keeps saying, I believe. No, I, I believe. I'm sorry. Like she's trying to pacify the Oracle. Yeah. And, she, and she runs off to the Oracle to get some confirmation slash denial. Um, but she doesn't call the guards. No, no, she doesn't. Because she wants the truth. And she goes to confess to the article, like, I felt the pain of warning. And she's kind of like, so, about this truth. And he's like, yeah. repent! I loved this also, um, because he's the oracle's like, well, you've been listening to forbidden whatever and she's like they said they spoke the truth and the oracle says their truth and she says is not truth the truth for all she's great i loved this Mm. she is great and she just straight out says i want to know the truth of the world and the star because it's such a huge asshole it is a dick uh paints her to death well at least nearly to unconsciousness practically practically yeah it's it's great. She gets her instrument of torture taken out. Yeah, because they all come running Kirk, in. Spock, and McCoy, and I really enjoyed that the first thing McCoy does is he goes over and he gathers her up into his arms and, like, tenderly cradles her. Classy hero style. Yeah. And yes. she verbally, Like, my wife is dying style. Yeah. And she verbally, she's like, okay, fuck the star, take it out. Yes. It's rather great. It starts trying to cook them. Yeah. Which the, was... <laughs> the punishment is death by triangles. <laughs> Hot triangles. Really, no, really here's, hot here's triangles. what I love, is they pull the book out of the thing. Oh, and, no, this is so good. And the first so thing Kirk asks is, so is good. it indexed? So good. <laughs> well, let me just flip to the back, and by yes, God, it is. It is indexed. Thank you, creators. You did something right. I love that so much. Because that's also the first thing I would have asked. How to turn off triangle grills? See page 228. Yeah. I mean, the first thing you do, you look for the... You look for the, to the back of the book. You look at the, like, the chapters and yeah. see what's there. And if you can't find what you want, you flip to the back. Yeah. Yeah. It was 
great. Of course they figure it out. There's an evil computer. Well, not oh. an evil computer, just a computer. A com- yeah. Also, what I really liked here is that the room, because, you know, it's gotten very hot, and they've yes. actually changed the color of the lighting. Yes. It's all like red. And that, like, everybody is, like, really like, oh, man, it's hot. Except for Spock, who's just like, hello, I'm in my natural environment. <laughs> um, It's... And my favorite part is they go behind and they're like, oh, it's just like the Enterprise. Yeah, it's the it's Enterprise. Because it's the set of the Enterprise, yeah. guys. But yeah. amazing. And apparently the fault that has developed the center, of course, is easy to fix. And it's in a tube. <laughs> and they fix and it off screen. Yep. Yep. Not important. <laughs> it's not important. Not important. There's like a set of stairs and Spock walks up them and yells from off stage, I can fix this. Yeah. yeah. It's great. And <laughs> so like, has discovered well, a new lust for life <laughs> or something. Oh, Yeah. He has a really good talk with HP, and he's like, hey, baby, come with me. And she's like, well, I'm going to honor the creators willingly this time. Like, no torture required. This is my universe. She has to stay and lead her people. It's great, because he's like, I can show you the world. She's like, well, this is my world. Um, I can't really abandon my people, because apparently in 390 days, they're going to smack into another planet. Like, that's really close to the end goal. Yeah. Um, I would, almost there. I, I would argue that in 396 days, they were going to splat into Denver the Last Dinosaur. So, really, this shaved six days off their trip? Well, it, the, I think we're supposed... Because it, it, it's 396 days at the beginning. So, the entire episode was over six days? Apparently. So no. the planet is neighbors with Danvers 4? I think that makes sense, sort Darren of. Four. I don't know. That's crazy. It must be pretty close They've just to drifted four. slightly off course yeah. enough to sit, like, set themselves on a collision, and yeah. they've just been nudged back to where they were yeah. actually going, which is, like, it must be a planet yeah. in the same system. It doesn't yeah, take much of a nudge. It has to be a planet in the same or system. Or very close by. It doesn't take much mm-hmm. of a nudge to move it's like an asteroid off. six days away. From, yeah. Except it's 390 days away. Well, no. They say they have from Denver, the last dinosaur to their new planet is a six-day trip on their crappy little asteroid ship. No, at the end they say they still have three hundred and ninety days to go. Yes, because yes, yeah, sorry, I'm not arguing with you. In the beginning, they say they are going to smack into Denver, the last dinosaur, in three hundred ninety-six days. Yeah, so it's a six-day trip from their new planet to Danvers When five. they have been oh, traveling. once they have reached it, sure. When they have been traveling from their old planet If for one 10, planet is years. traveling at 200 plus... <laughs> this has been so mathy. <laughs> so mathy. Um, oh, but looks like all these Finnevarans, or whatever they're called, had a lot of medical knowledge stored in their computers. Dun dun, no, you oh, don't yeah. say! It's they the find... cure for xenophobia. <laughs> it's understanding and empathy. <laughs> Sitting down with a cup of tea and really understanding how their culture works. Have a good, difficult conversation <laughs> with people. And Kirk's last parting shot is like, well, we could be there when their ship lands at their new planet and you could say hello. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I don't think we ever hear about this again. Hell no. Is he still married? No. No, they he got was released di- from his vows, remember? They got divorced when they took the pain chips Although out. I imagine that for Brini, marriage is going to change a little now that it doesn't depend on, like, the pain-giving device. Pretty sure you still can't make out with your sister. No. All right, life lessons from this, Kim. Um, read the book, gain the knowledge, save the civil- save your civilization. <laughs> uh, Ari? There is almost nothing more important than a proper index. I'm going to go with Plato's Cave is actually okay. <laughs> 
But check out all the haircuts first. <laughs> uh, performance of the episode, Kim. Um, I'm giving it to the actress who played the High Priestess. What is her name? Catherine Wood. Okay. Ville Vaughn Vagaries. <laughs> Woodlot. Woodson. Woodlive. Woodgood. Ari, <laughs> uh, you're not being helpful here. She said it at the beginning. I wasn't listening. You weren't listening to me? How dare you? That is so rude. <laughs> Said people who do not listen to Ari all ever the time. Ever. I have a, on occasion listened to you. Uh, when you were saying something that directly impacted my life, then yes. Two out of five times at least I listened to you. Uh-huh. Depends what she's talking about. Oh yeah, that's very true. Um, That was Catherine Woodville. Woodville. Okay, we were close. We're close enough. Um, Ari, performance of the episode? Also Catherine Woodville. Oh, fact, James Doohan was the voice of the Oracle. Oh. He's often the voice of He's got a really good um, boom voice. In the animated series, he does a lot of the extra voices, because mm. apparently I looked this up, or I heard this on another podcast, that you got paid for doing so many voices, and then anything above and beyond that, you got extra money. So he did, like, a bunch of extra voices and got some extra cash. Nice. But yeah, he does voices. Scotty gotta get paid. I think I am going to give half to Catherine. Oh, Woodville, I had it written down. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, my notes because <laughs> I was talking to Kim and Ari earlier. I turned my notebook upside down, which I should have noticed because the top margins are really big at the bottom. Anyways, I turned it upside down, and then I also started writing from back to front. So at a certain point, I ran into my writing from previous episodes, so I wrote over it. <laughs> it's in a different color, but yeah, it's it's just tricky. Uh, I'm giving it half to her and half to uh, Nimoy. Nimoy? Really? There is the moment when he learns that Bones is ill, and somehow conveys all of that emotion with very little facial movement. Aww. So I, I thought that was quite excellent. I'm just giving it to him for that scene because Catherine Woodville wasn't in it, but I think she was splendid. Um, Kim, your count. Um, deaths. One, an old man. Oh, he did die. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ari, your count. Twelve ladies. Lots of background ladies in this episode. Yeah. Two people of color. It was a very, like, good episode for ladies. Yeah. It was a good background mix, and it was a good, I think, background mix of outfits. Yes. Not everyone was wearing the same dress. It was good. A lot of outfits. Oh, yeah. Outfits with a capital O. I mean, if you live in a totally climate-controlled spaceship, you can be pretty fucking creative with your outfits. I was witnessed by Miami. 